Uh, well, welcome uh, to Dump Studios uh, 3.5, I think we're going to call it now, uh, here on the bright side of the tracks. Uh, I am stocky, across the table, stout. Hello. Um, and we got a couple special guests with us today here in the Dump Studios. Uh, first, uh, we'll start with uh, Julie Seathouse. Um, uh, she is the chair of the board of directors at the Billings Chamber of Commerce. Um, I could go through all the BSs and the MSs that you have gotten <laughs> over your years. You are a teacher for 12 years, I believe, at Billings West English. I actually taught at Butte High. Butte? Uh, yes. Butte, America. I did some time in Butte. Ooh, nice. Awesome. <laughs> but I've escaped, and here I am with you, so. So you're tough. Yes. Oh, so so much tougher than I look. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also joined by uh, Mehmet Casey, who is the um, director down there at the DBA. Um, he's been in, in town for many a year, uh, originally from Baghdad, Iraq. Uh, he's been at MSUB. He's been at Rocky. I mean, he's... Yep. His list of achievements is long and uh, grandiose, but I think the uh, biggest one is probably working at Sears. Yes. <laughs> That's is a highlight. The, <laughs> is the one that stuck out to me the most. Yeah. Um, Many leadership skills. <laughs> <laughs> Many leadership and skills, indeed. Uh, I guess the reason for today's episode would probably be mostly talking about <clears throat> uh, DEI, the inclusion uh, program that the Billings Chamber kind of spearheads and puts on, and mm -hmm. this episode is kind of dedicated to that. Once you say stout, yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, we'll, we'll be polite this time. We'll behave ourselves. Um, but you know, it's been a it's been a thing recently. This whole DEI, uh, we'll call it an issue, even though it's not really an issue. It shouldn't be anyway. Um, and, you know, there's some fun legislation uh, going through up in Helena. And it makes you happy that they only meet every couple of years because they can only <laughs> screw so much stuff up that way. But, um, yeah, anyway, I don't know. I uh, I guess it, it's, it'd be better if you guys explain what DEI is. What's I mean, what's it even stand for? And then <clears throat> what's it mean? Sure. So diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really the idea behind it is just how do we as a chamber support businesses to do their best work and create the best environment for their employees. And ultimately it's about recruitment and retention for workers and billing, something that we, we desperately need. Um, during the pandemic, it, it became apparent that we were undergoing a bit of a societal shift with regard to DEI, um, and at the time, Mike Nelson from the Northern was the chair of the board, and he and John approached me about starting a task force just to look at, is this something the chamber should be involved in? Sure. And we did a lot of research, and we saw that there are chambers all over the country that are doing this work and providing tools for their members to just look at their work <laughs> environment and work on creating something that, that really helps their employees feel good about going to work every day and, and where they work and how they treat each other and how they, they welcome their fellow em, fellow coworkers. Um, and so we created the task force. Um, Mo certainly came to mind immediately for me to bring him in just because of the person that he is and the work that he does and his 
understanding of this and, and living that life, you know, coming to Billings from a different country. And we were really very interested in how he felt when he got here. And, and he's been such an incredible contributor. And we really did assemble quite an interesting array of humans on this task cool. force, which as we proceeded and got the response from our membership, in general, the response was hugely positive. Uh, so we were we were promoted from a task force to an actual advisory board, oh, and right that's where it stands. And and the goal, couple goals from the very beginning: one that the program <laughs> would be sustainable, not just a <clears throat> let's kick this out here and g- give it a shot and maybe provide a couple, you know, lunch and learn kind of things, but that it become a, an actual sustainable program for the chamber. And the response has been so huge that. It's not only a sustainable program, it's part of our, our mission, um, which the bottom line is, how do we do better business in Billings? Yeah. And, and it's, it has, I have been blown away by the response overall. That's not to say we haven't had some people who don't love it, sure. but I, you know, I'd, I've tried truly with my whole brain to understand how it could not be looked at it as a good thing, and I can't come up with a reason. Yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, so, how long's how long has it been going? Like, uh, it started during the pandemic as a as a task force. Yep, we unveiled it at our first chamber annual meeting after uh, the lockdown, basically. Sure. And we've just been developing it ever since then. So we've got a really robust website. We've got an immersion program where people can go through a, an extended amount of time where they just learn about what does this mean and <clears throat> what does it mean for them and what does it mean for their businesses. Um, we've created quite a, a library of resources on our website that, mm-hmm. that help people who want to learn more. Um, and then we've got a toolkit for employers that, you know, here are things that you should look at about your policies and procedures that might help you in this realm, Yeah. Um, which is kind of my favorite part because it's not, it, not something that has been a part of my everyday life, but we've seen businesses look at their policies and, and, and realize, oh yeah, we give everybody Christmas day off. <laughs> But not everybody celebrates Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. So how do we look differently at our employee benefits so that we're embracing where other people come from, which I think is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So uh, now that you're an advisory board, basically, it's going to be a permanent fixture of the the chamber. Yeah, we've hired somebody, in fact, who part of her her, uh, responsibilities – is to maintain this program. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> did you like workshops, classes, that kind of thing? Is it like, is that a rotating thing? Is that just a, a does it build on itself? What do, you, what do you got going on there? So we've got the immersion program that runs, t- is it going twice a year now or did we go- pull it back to once a year? I think two classes once a year. Okay. Yeah. Class <clears throat> A and class B, September through May. And, and it's yeah. been widely received. And then we do follow-up activities so that people that go through that class mm-hmm. can then, you know, come back to um, – there's just roundtable discussions. Sure. There's, you know, some social events <laughs> where we can bring those graduates, so to speak, of the program back to 
reconnect and talk about how they've progressed and and how things are going in their in their workplaces and um yeah it's a it's a whole thing yeah good <laughs> that's good it should be um that <clears throat> how many how many folks go through it do you have like a lot of interest are people signing up you a have, lot of interest good. yeah we've had you know many of the major employers in billings have mm-hmm. sent groups of people through um both colleges first interstate bank the hospitals cool. Um, Exxon Refinery, it, hmm. yeah, we've had a we've had a wonderful response, and then just small businesses, people mm-hmm. that want to come in and, and just learn more about it, just mm-hmm. for their for their businesses. Sure, the occasional city council person. Occasionally, yeah. Yep. I just want to go back. I want to hear Mamet's a quick version of Mamet's story because it's pretty interesting. It's incredible. Um, yeah. So tell us about when you got here, why you came here, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, and. Before I just go there for a sec, like back to Julie's um, um, statement and comment when we built this effort, if you remember the call, I called you when I was being recruited and I flat out asked Julie, I said, hey, I'm, I love this. I want to be a part of it. I'm looking forward to it. But is this just a ticking the box thing? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Am I being a token here? Because <laughs> I've been part of a lot of efforts in the past that yeah. have come and gone either to tick a box or it was hot in the moment at the time Mm -hmm. during, you know, a certain thing that happened media-wise and people were like, all right, let's step up our game. And then when things calmed down, it just kind of went away. Yeah. Uh, And she honestly said, hey, we want to learn. So that's where we're starting. And so I was like, okay, that's all I needed to know. That's good. That's nice to hear, though. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Um, And now what? Yeah. Um, third year into it now. So, um, yeah, super exciting and continuing uh, the work. But, yeah, briefly born and raised in Baghdad, Iraq, um, went through college back home um, through ba- or got my bachelor's degree there and had a brief uh, employment um, at, at the time and then stumbled upon this um, temporary uh, scholarship through Fulbright to come here and teach Arabic. Um, sure. And it was supposed to be a short-term, 10-month-long program. But while I was here, things didn't quite improve back home, and my okay. immediate family started leaving uh, every which way possible, and uh, uh, my support system was gone, and then things had escalated pretty badly, and I found my way onto the whole asylum path um, to potentially try to stay here permanently. So, um, what, what year roughly did you come over? 2006. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Yep. 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 Checks out. Yeah. And so w- I was able to extend my operation Iraqi. I taught Arabic there and, um, um, picked up a, a gig. Um, um, this is something that William borrows in some of his courses too. A lot of the positions that I, um, um, had in my few first years were either something that I, I had the skill set to do or something that I created. Um, for instance, Arabic was a foreign language that was being offered at Rocky, and if you if your degree required a foreign language um, sure. um, requirement, you could take Spanish, but you can also take Arabic. And That's so cool. a lot of people jumped on the Arabic wagon because they're like, when else can I take Arabic? You know, yeah. I can always take Spanish. Uh, so it was a popular program. Um, but then also 
um, after the, the scholarship covered everything financially for the 10 months. Mm-hmm. After that, I had to kind of get creative with housing and meal plans and other yeah. expenses. So the deal with Rocky was that as long as I taught and lived on campus, I don't have to pay for housing. So that was my form of payment for the teaching part. So then I picked up a gig at Sodexo at Rocky. <laughs> yeah. And I basically create a, created a program. They had these, and I, I think they still do, they get those promotional things uh, from Sodexo about uh, St. Patrick's Day decorations and recipes and games for the students to play sure. or uh, uh, Black American Heritage uh, Month or Asian American or whatever. But they mostly incorporated the recipes and left the rest of it. And so I talked to the manager at the time and I said, hey, I would be interested in doing these, implementing these into the cafeteria and the student um, activities. And they said, well, we just don't have a position for that, nor can we pay um, for that. (laughs) So I said, that's fine. Could I get meals in the form of a pay? (laughs) And they're like, yeah. Um, So so I created that position and started doing that and covered my meal uh, there and housing was covered through teaching. And then I also picked up uh, tutoring on part-time basis and writing in the newspaper uh, of the college to then get some more income for other expenses. You know, God forbid if you ha- want to have a social life or uh, buy some clothes and things like that. <laughs> um, and then after that, I picked up, you know, the infamous short stint at Sears. and mm. uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Storied. Right. And then, <laughs> and then transitioned onto um, MSUB when they were having an influx of international students' arrival um, where they needed quickly uh, folks that could teach English as a second language to cool. foreign um, students or international speaking students. So started part-time, then I became full-time, then I short, for a short time became interim director of the program, then I became coordinator of the program. Then I moved up to admissions and records and became the advising uh, and admission specialist for all international students. <laughs> um, during that stint, I finished my master's at MSUB in public relations. And when I was advising international students, most of my international students were majoring in business. So I got very intimate with the College of Business and their programs and their faculty and their courses. And that kind of intrigued me into the business world. Okay. And that's how I found my um, my current position, development director with the DBA. And actually, one of the things that before knowing much about the DBA, when I browsed the website and got landed on the strategic priorities of the DBA, in the second or third page, I think, uh, there are pillars uh, of the mission, and one of the pillars was diversity. Mm-hmm. And that's what attracted me to consider that position. Um, Because prior gigs that I had had didn't necessarily, maybe when I first started, have that clause in their mission, maybe added it later on. But uh, this one I came across already had it in their mission. And I thought, ooh, what's that about? Let's learn more about that. So, yeah. So you basically have been doing diversity, equity, and inclusion since you got here. In yeah, one form and, or another. Yep, and we did that at Rocky, we did that at MSUB, and there are now more sustainable efforts at both campuses, which is great to hear. Wow, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, 
can't speak so much for the Sierra's experience. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious which department you worked in. Um, I started out actually as a seasonal employee in the warehouse. Um, and flat out, they told me, you know, don't expect anything. This is a three-month gig. Once we're done with Christmas, bye-bye. Uh, but after Christmas, they liked me so much, I guess, that they were like, would you like to stay? And I was like, sure. Um, still on part-time basis, stayed in the warehouse, and then an opening became available in the electronic sales floor. And then I applied to that and became a salesperson. So, I love it. Yeah. Man can sell the hell out of a boombox. No <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Basically, Mo's story is way cooler than mine. <laughs> he's got a hell of a story. It's incredible. It's and incredible. As I've gotten to know him, he's just dropped little tidbits here and there. They're like, whoa, really? holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen some stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Got and some city miles. Yeah. That's all right. But honestly, I can't even picture a Billings without a person like Mo. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it, how heartbreaking if we didn't have him here. Yep. And mm-hmm. it, it's just, that's what this all should be about, is mm-hmm. creating a, an environment where somebody like this can come into our town yeah. and be so successful and make such a name for himself. And, and feel welcomed. That's that's what it's all yeah. about. Absolutely. Yeah. It's <laughs> A, a hostile environment is not what we want around right, here. Right. That's the right. idea. Um, the the workshops, these classes, what what do they look like? I mean, like, just practically, is it like an all day thing? Is it one night a week? What do we got? What's it like? I'll let Mo yeah. speak to that. Yeah, good question. So they're, um, I believe they're on a four month basis, mm-hmm. um, and uh, there are times of the day that you're um, locked in for a certain, I can't remember if it's a few hours or half a day, but uh, there's, of course, a lot of follow-up after that to kind of uh, make sure you've processed and digested everything that you went through. And then some of the exercises will give you uh, basically uh, an opportunity to follow up with some of your uh, peers. Okay. Um, And it's not like you know, it's optional here. Go ahead. Give mm-hmm. this guy uh, a call. Like they'll, we'll do an exercise where we exchange randomly contact, uh, phone, you know, contact info of certain folks in the sure. event. And then you follow up with them and talk about what you've learned, what, what this may have unlocked, what weaknesses might there be, you know, to explore. And then, um, there are panel events that you attend as well, where, um, We'll invite some speakers that will be uh, panelists that day, and then the topic will revolve around a certain subject, and then we'll open it up to to the attendees to ask questions. And then at the end of the season of it, there is a graduation ceremony where um, people will receive certificates and receive some other goodies like maybe a, a book as a gift to um, explore or a... Um, uh, well, uh, of course, the, in, in addition to the certificate, there's like, I believe, plaques um, or some sure. uh, reminder of it to have yeah. on your desk. A little trophy. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, everyone takes a group picture, and then there's this sort of camaraderie and sense of belonging. And then after that, it's the follow-up with that group of what else, you know, we don't want this group to say, okay, again, back to that mentality of check that box, done with it. Now what, you know, so we've been inviting folks back to see what have they implemented in their 
place of work. Cool. And yeah. what, how are they exercising this and how are they keeping this fresh? And yeah. good follow through, follow up, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And apparently a t shirt. Yeah, that is just the, the privilege of the uh, folks that serve on the uh, oh, DEI no. network. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's good to know that these this immersion immersion program is run by a, a gentleman named William Henry, who mm-hmm. this he lives this, mm-hmm. um, and he it's it's not just about it's not just about what you're doing in the business world, but it's there's a lot of self exploration. Sure. Um, you know, you you sometimes when you bring up DEI, people get defensive immediately, and mm-hmm. I'm not racist. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about you know where your heart is in that realm and what your own personal experiences are, mm-hmm. regardless of what your race is or your religion or whatever. I mean, it's 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 so much bigger than race. It's mm-hmm. about how do you create an environment where everybody feels welcome, regardless of you. you I, I've heard from people who have moved to Montana who feel a little bit ostracized because they're not from Montana. And that's all part of this. It's it's about creating that equitable environment that people want to come here. I I work as a real estate broker and I talk to people every day who are looking to move to Montana and they ask (laughs) questions about this. You can, you can Google billings and pretty readily find out that we've defeated a non-discrimination ordinance twice. Mm -hmm. And that brings up questions like, do I want to bring my family to a place where, where we, we aren't sending that message on a local government level, you know, consistently. Um, Especially with something like that, you know, people will often say and argue that this isn't the place for this, you know, city council is not the place for this, but especially to me, especially a tool like this where it literally almost has no teeth whatsoever to it. So essentially it's almost like the equivalent of a proclamation and we're not willing to pass that. Think about what kind of message that sends to the outsider who's like something as trivial as an ordinance we're not willing to pass. Yeah. Doesn't cost a What else are we not going to put the effort towards? So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, the, Class is meant as a, a, you know, change your heart kind of mm-hmm. kind of process. Yeah. And um, when I was first asked to be a part of this, I thought, I, what do I have to contribute to this effort? Yeah. Um, but what I've learned is every single human has something to contribute to the effort. It, mm-hmm. it we all come from such different spaces. You, bet. you know, we're raised differently. We're we have different belief systems, um, and you just learn so much about yourself. I, I tell William Henry all the time, he literally changed the fiber of my being mm-hmm. to go through this and learn from him and and really start to look at how I perceive other people and the, those implicit biases that I didn't think I had. I thought I had a good handle on this. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and it's, why wouldn't anybody want to be a part of that? Why wouldn't anybody want to have that journey? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just makes you a better human which in turn makes you a better citizen of your community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that which in turn makes your community better. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's scary to look inside yourself. Sometimes it is kind what of if, scary. What if I have to admit that I was wrong about something? Right. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have to do it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I have noticed over the years, and one of my coworkers, he's, he came here from Seattle, and he he's noticed and pointed out to me that 
whenever anybody gets up to talk, say, in front of city council or something, they always say that either they were born here or they've been here so many years. And apparently that is credibility somehow. <laughs> I don't really understand that. And I think that's kind of uh, emblematic of the general attitude mm-hmm. around here sometimes. Sometimes. Especially, yeah. you know, like if you're selling someone a house and they've got, God forbid, a California license plate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They might just be met with all kinds of hostility. Yeah. Right. And they politically they might perfectly align with how we tend to vote around here. But sure. no, not that California license plate can't have that. Right. Funny right. how that works. Like so I'm still nervous about claiming to be a local and I've been here sixteen years. Yeah. And I always say, it's only been 16 years. I'm not, you know, quite the local. <laughs> and people are like, you're as local as it can be. Yeah. But it's it's that sentiment. Like, I'm nervous about claiming that. And, and yet we have, what, three statemen um, that are not from here mm-hmm. that are yeah. elected in, to represent us. And we're named after a guy who's claimed his fortune in California. And <laughs> an <bet>. East Coaster. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a friend who bought a house in Gallatin Valley about three years ago, and he gets on Facebook and bitches about people moving to Gallatin Valley all the time. <laughs> so I don't think you have to oh, be Oh, he's got a, a big war to fight over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's pretty silly. I you think know, it's I, a winnable war. Yeah, there's plenty of room. Those license plate or those uh, bumper stickers that say Montana is full, I mean, they haven't seen a lot of Montana. It's pretty yeah. empty. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of room for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you, so you talked about the like implicit bias people bring in. I guess um, how does um, how do people approach this program? I guess is the best way I can put it. When mm-hmm. they come in with um, almost like they've done something bad, how do you how do you how do you bridge that gap? How do you bring the people in and not feel like you know they've done something bad and they're being sort of punished and this is the class you have to take how do you how do you get rid of that stigma sure some yeah. people may attach to it yeah william handles it so well because yep. he says every single person has that every <clears throat> you just it's just a part of human dna <clears throat> to have those sort of biases that it, most of us just are not aware of them it's mm-hmm. not something that we think about mm-hmm. so the the goal there is just to get people to think about it. It doesn't, it doesn't mean it's bad. It just is. Mm -hmm. And then how do you go on throughout the rest of your life now that you've explored that dealing with that? How do you, how do you overcome some of those biases? And, you know, they're, they're not all bad and wrong. It's just, it's just part of DNA. And, and, if it's affecting your workplace or the way you accept your neighbors or whatever, then you you the the hope is you move forward a little bit more open maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But he he it, it's just it's a handled in a way that you're not bad. Right. You just are, okay. and let's talk Perfect. about it and yeah. let's figure out how to go forward now knowing these things. Right. Exactly. It's basically being getting you to be aware of your blind spots. Yeah. Um, cause we all have them. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I'll use some examples of myself. I'm not proud of it, but I now use it as a, a, a lesson, you know, as a, an example of in these situations. Um, for instance, again, before coming here, again, my exposure to the West or the U S was mostly through the media that was put on to us, you know, overseas. And so that's a lot of movies, cartoons, music, uh, TV series, things like that. 
I legitimately did not think Native Americans existed. Hmm. I wow. legitimately thought they've been wiped out. Hmm. It's uh, a novelty thing now that we do, you know, some um, um, costumes and whatnot and kind sure. of cultural appropriation, cultural appropriation of it because they don't exist. Like they're not going to fight it off until I got here. <laughs> and then I thought, what? lie was I living? <laughs> yeah. yeah, This is a cool thing. So now let me get to know them and sure. learn more about them. But then when I, in many cases, I'm not going to say all, but I will say, I will dare to say 90% when I'm asking a white person about the native population, you get the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And as an outsider, not only coming from a different state, coming from a different country, all the way across the pond, I'm going to rely on this information as you, the native speaker and the native of yeah. this region and the person who's been raised and born here, as truth. This is what you're telling me is truth, but it's oftentimes. How many times do you hear, you know, you go to Walmart and go, somebody goes, oh, it must be payday on the yeah. reservation. Oh, God. But then how come nobody says... You know, when you go to Costco on a Sunday, oh, it must be payday for white people. Mm-hmm. Nobody says that. <laughs> and even if you say that, your pure white person is going to say, well, that doesn't offend me. That's just funny. And it, it doesn't offend them because, A, they don't think they're going to lose their power by this mere joke. And, B, it's a good thing. I am showing my wealth. I'm shopping <laughs> yeah. at Costco. But then for some reason, it's not a good sign if the Native Americans showing their wealth as well and shopping at Walmart. So that's an example. Another example that I fell into in a trap, again, as a someone who's trying to mimic a native speaker to look like uh, an authentic speaker, um, I got myself in some situation at one point where, and I learned this behavior from my surroundings, where anytime we watched a movie we didn't like, I called, I said, that movie was so gay. Yeah. And that was my description of the movie as a bad movie. But it didn't register in my head because that's what everyone was saying. Mm -hmm. Until I said it in the presence of a gay friend who was like, no. (laughs) Good. We don't say that or do that. And and I'm thankful that he put a stop to it because, and we must have felt comfortable towards each other enough to do that. Had he just taken the more sort of passive approach and said, eh, whatever, you know, people say that, I, I should, I, I'll just get over it. I would have continued that because to me, my peers were using that and that's how I can belong to that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's, those are good examples. And, you know, I've obviously, I'm old. I used to do some <laughs> pretty horrible <laughs> stuff and say some horrible things. Yeah. I'm pretty ashamed of it, um, but I'm doing my best to, you know, slow that down. And it kind of comes back to that. Like, yeah, are you, are you naughty? Do you have to go to detention DEI class (laughs) because you've been naughty? And I think it's, it's good to look at it as you've been doing pretty well, but that's not saying you can't do better. Why wouldn't you want to do better? Absolutely. It's an an evolution. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And if, you know, I'm probably doing pretty well, I'm definitely doing better than I used to. Um, but I could sure do better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought up the part about losing power because I, I think that's where we get the pushback is 
people think they're going to lose something if mm-hmm. they embrace this idea. What are they going to give up? Yeah. And I know from my own personal experience, it just has opened my mind to so much more. And I, you know, I I would feel more comfortable having a conversation like you did with your friend about the the movie that, mm-hmm. you know, it. Why do you say that? And it it doesn't have to be in an offensive or confrontational way. And that right. certainly is our goal through this whole process. Is it's it's not accusatory. Mm-hmm. It's it's a conversation, right. um, which I have I have appreciated so much personally. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. That's I'm, I'm glad it's approached that way. That's a nice thing. What's the what's the time commitment on this class like? How much? work am I going to have to take off? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were going to ask what's what's Mo's time commitment gonna... to that advisory board, and I was going to say it's a life sentence. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're never letting him go. Dang it. Um, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was trying to, uh, so our our website is billingsdei.com. Okay. So uh, great resource to check out. I was uh, jumping on it earlier to try to locate the dates for the courses. Um, but it, I believe it starts every September yeah. and, and I, I may have misstated, uh, the, I know that there's two, two classes, but I think we did start a master's class, mm-hmm. oh, wow. uh, okay. where it's the next level. Sure. Cause the, the, the first two classes are like the introductory, uh, phases of just basically going through all the basics. And then after that, if you want to continue that effort, you can advance to how to implement it and how to train others and things like that. Yeah, We'll put in a good word for you to get the time off. Okay. (laughs) I appreciate that. I'm going to see Katie tomorrow morning. I'll I'll bring it up. Yeah, tell her I need it. Tell her you were talking to me and you realize that I probably need to go there. Two two of our colleagues uh, have gone through this program. Yeah. um, And they're listed on the website. So the nice thing also is we list every graduate so that people can go and connect with these individuals. For instance, if someone just joined the clinic and want to know who they can talk to that may have already had that experience or they're thinking about exploring it themselves, then they can go and see and then connect with these individuals internally within their um, campus or their employment place. Cool work. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean that, that website, that's good to know. Billings DEI. Yep. Dot com. Dot com. Yep. Excellent. Are you guys going to take another run out of anti-discrimination ordinance? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but we've got work to do. No spoilers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it okay. it yeah. needs to be done right. Yeah. Um, right. It needs to be done thoughtfully. We, we need to look at the language of, of the ordinance and, and just make sure that what we bring forward will be a win because mm-hmm. we can't, Billings can't have another Mm-mm. failure at yeah. that. We just can't. The, yeah. the, the black eye is too, too big. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an ongoing process, let's say. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> doing it carefully is very important. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, think about it, you know, uh, another podcast that we heard from, was saying, you know, we don't need to recruit all these people here. What was it? I think the last um, chamber email that came out, it was talking about some legislative pieces that are happening right now around the topic of workforce. But it was stating some numbers for statistics. I think there's like 
40,000 um, jobs available, but only 15,000 unemployed. Mm-hmm. So unless we have 25,000 high schoolers or college students, yeah, how are you going to fill these Hiding somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Jobs. Yeah, absolutely. And then I forget the number that gets shared around about the workforce that's about to be exiting, you know, either due to retirement or whatnot. And mm-hmm. so how do you replace that mm-hmm. without this recruitment element? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, Billings Works has been working on that for a long time. And right. five years ago, they said we're really sunk. And then it got worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's yeah. true. So we have to be, and that's why, you know, the, the chamber, ba- both from the board standpoint and the membership standpoint, they look at it from a workforce yeah. angle and how does that benefit the employer and the employees yeah. in retention and recruitment and making sure the environment is welcoming and you conducive to that productivity to continue and be sustainable. Yeah. And at the last chamber annual meeting, the question was asked to the audience, how many of you are native of Billings? And there was a very small handful of people in the room that actually were born and raised here. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. the majority of us came from somewhere else. Uh I did. And and I I consider Mm -hmm. Billings my hometown now, Mm -hmm. but I I moved here when I was 16 years old from somewhere else, so. I guess I'm the only native one here. (laughs) (laughs) You're the only one with any sort of creed, I guess, right? (laughs) You have to do what you say, I guess. (laughs) One out of four. Yeah, 25%. It's probably pretty representative. probably. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got, Stocky? Um, I guess uh, going off of what Mamet said... um, not making this kind of a check the box sort of thing. I mean, what's the next big step after you've got, not saying like the low hanging fruit, but it, mm-hmm. people who are willing and able and want to take this course, um, how do you break through? Because, I mean, the impetus of this this episode was basically listening to a council person on, uh, is it Nick Tyler? Yeah. <laughs> uh, his, his radio show basically saying some very passive and dismissive things. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you approach uh, the next crop of people? Because yeah. you're going to have to do some recruiting. Right. Yeah. I, I think they're just, it just feels like they just get further and further down in the hole right. and don't want to come out yeah. kind of feeling. Yeah. Um, William uses kind of a bell curve to, mm-hmm. to show where people fall in this and that there are, I, I believe it's 80, 10, 10. So Correct. there's, there's, yep. 10% of people that are all in, like get it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. There's the middle 80 that kind of follow this curve that they're movable. And then there's the 10 that ju- you're just not going to reach. Mm-hmm. So our focus is on that middle group that, you know, people who might have some interest, who might want to have a part of the discussion, who aren't sure how they feel about it, and to draw them in. And I mean, that's a pretty good number of people if you're looking at, you know, that middle 80%. Um, I think as time goes on and the discussion becomes more prevalent in the business community, we just will continue to have more and more people who are interested. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've targeted leadership in the bigger corporations mm-hmm. and now we'd kind of like them to expand that out and bring in some of their maybe like next level leadership so yeah. that your 
you're sort of spreading it down the line from the top to your main level of yeah. employees. And yeah. That's very critical because it, it is like Julie said, it's a mindset shift. It's not, you know, I mean, we internally, for example, dislike calling it a course or a workshop or a class because it's, but again, for someone who's not familiar with this, like, what do you, what, what would you call it else? You know, it's yeah. not a conference, it's not a training. Um, and so, but internally to us, it's, it's a mind sh- uh, mindset shift. Um, and it's not to say that we're like brainwashing you, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. it, it's, it, it's more effective if it's coming top down. Because yeah. what used to happen, which is why I called Julie when I was being recruited, is that organizations would send their most tokenized employee, uh, the one that's most interested in this, to a training or a conference or a workshop, wherever, and then say, okay, yeah, you go do that thing. And now we can say, we've done that thing. We don't have to worry about that anymore. And then when, oh, oh yeah, certainly when you come back, we'll, we'll definitely listen to what you've learned and disseminate that somehow. But because that person often always, or you know, most of the time, doesn't have the authority to disseminate that, nor are they given the resources or the tools or the um, um, avenues to disseminate it, they end up either feeling alone or preaching to the choir. Uh, Others around them that already believe in that, but then the layer that it needs to penetrate the most is not reaching. And so then that's when it was becoming mostly like a fad movement ebbs and flows and comes and goes sure. based on what was happening nationally or globally. But if if the top leadership gets the idea and then they have HR directors and then onboarding and orientation folks and everything is being disseminated equally down, then you've got a more inclusive, more comprehensive, more uh, uh, fuller whole picture. Of the approach. Yep. Yeah. When we we very first started having this conversation, um, we met with some people from Billings Clinic, and they really sort of were on the forefront of this. They were were doing this before the chamber did. And it's it's not just uh, in their hiring practices Mm -hmm. following. You know, sort of those rules of diversity, equity, inclusion, but it's it's everything down to the person that works at the coffee shop and the people who do the Mm -hmm. cleaning and Mm -hmm. the people who do the greeting and then the care providers. And it's it's all in how you treat people that are in your facility, regardless of what they're there for. Um, And and it it blew my mind what they were doing. It was so great to see this you know, huge corporation, major employer in, in Billings, Montana, really embracing this all the way down to hiring a person who leads that for them. Um, and that was inspirational to us as well, to see that you know, it's not just, oh, you have to make sure that you're equitably hiring mm-hmm. these, you know, the, these many women, this many right. people of a different race. It's it's that's the a horribly simplified version of it. Yeah. It's yeah. how do you provide a space yeah. for not only your employees, but also the people who have to utilize your your business, yeah. um, and they—they've been a huge supporter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and again, sometimes for folks that are like on the fence with this, they, they 
they look at these words as sort of almost like triggering words, and that's how they kind of get sucked into the whole politicizing of it. But so when you give examples, it normalizes it a little bit more, and it kind of helps understand uh, folks understand what we're talking about. For instance, if if your company policy, I'm just going to make something up. If your company policy said that every new employee you get gets their own vehicle to go conduct their job, right? That seems fair and equal, right? But then you hire a blind employee. What are they going to do with the car? I mean, but then they're not allowed to sell it because it's company property. But they can't drive it. (laughs) (laughs) So in theory, if that world were to exist, you wouldn't hire a blind person because they don't fit the job description. Now, are we saying you must hire a blind person? No. But we're saying if you're needing a certain skill set, maybe be mindful of the language that you're putting on your job description, like must be able to reach items on the top of the shelf to bring them down. But then if you're hiring a disabled person on a wheelchair, they're not going to be able to reach that. Mm So um, I'll use, you know, Sarah's examples. Uh, Sarah's one of uh, our um, board members representing Billings Clinic. Um, she's the director there uh, for their diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, they had language in their uh, employee books where it was mostly targeting women of how long or short your skirt oh, yeah. can be, how big is the cleavage opening can be, uh, and literally using similar language like that. Um, can't have a naturally occurring hair color dye on your on, on, on yourself. And this applied to employees who might be working remotely. So they're not even coming in and you're not going to see them. So why does it matter if my hair is green? Um, and so these are the things that they changed and made it more inclusive. And, and you might think these are little things like who's going to care about that? But it makes a difference yeah. if, if I feel and want to appear a certain way and my employer is not allowing me to do that, mm-hmm. then I'm going to be looking elsewhere. Sure. Yeah. Or I'm not going to identify with that place or I'm not going to feel like I belong in that place. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Those are good examples. Yeah. Same thing as Julie mentioned earlier, you know, with the holidays, the chamber adopted, um, chamber staff and um, organization adopted floating holidays. So you get a fixed number of holidays and you can take them however you want. It doesn't have to be Christmas. That makes good sense. Um, so It really does. And it's not <laughs> something I had ever thought of before this process. Like everybody gets a Christmas break. That's just what you do. Yeah. Every, everybody gets Easter off right. uh, or, you know, Easter Monday or Good Friday or you, you just, we plan around this very traditional calendar. Mm-hmm that not everybody follows and it's Mm -hmm. just not something that I had thought of before. One of our colleagues is uh, uh, experiencing this right now. Um, Her daycare sent the parents a note saying, we're going to be closed over spring break. Have fun, enjoy spring break because apparently all the employees there are of the age that their kids have spring break. But then she and her kiddo are not in that age bracket Mm -hmm. and... They need their kid to be in a daycare. And they're like, no, I'm not going to have fun during spring break. I don't have <laughs> spring break. What am I supposed to do with my kiddo? Now I have to make a whole different new yeah. arrangement. So these are the things that, you know, if, if, if you're being more mindful of, it just works out for everybody else yeah. around you. 
what a blatant business opportunity, really, that seems to go by the wayside just because of tradition. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In a, an economy that's kind of hardwired for that right now, which, which will seem like a kind of a challenge coming going forward, I would think. Yeah. Um, but I think this is a worthwhile program that's pushing the dial in the, in the right direction, yeah. personally. So. And honestly, um, younger generations, this is how they live their lives. I yeah. mean, this is... I think some of them are baffled by why is this such a big deal? Why would anybody <laughs> be upset about this? This yeah. is it's just the right thing to do. And yeah. um, I get that there's an older mindset that you know some people really see it as an a- accusation. Yeah. Um, and that's just so not what it is. It's it it really is just trying to be better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was I was. Uh, working around um, a, a mural project last summer, and uh, one of the helpers there was, uh, there was like a group of middle schoolers, basically. And one of those middle schoolers used they, them pronouns. Mm. And it was so seamless for all their peers. It, it was automatic. And I absolutely respect, it's none of my business, blah, 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 all that stuff. But it's really hard for me to remember to do that stuff because, you know, I'm an old white guy. <laughs> and I, I really admired how completely seamless it was yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see. Yeah. 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 So we're just trying to make things better. Put a little finger on the scale. Well, thanks for coming <laughs> in. Yeah. Educating us old white guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to plug about the, the program or we might have missed or? No, yeah. Just check out the website. Yeah. Again, there are. A lot of resources there. There's podcasts, books, um, uh, YouTube events clips, and events, and a calendar of events, you know, to check out. Um, there's like a glossary of DEI terminology. There's, um, William has also like a, a box of flashcards that people can use. Um, there's a listing of who who's on that uh, effort. Uh, there's contact. There's the list of graduates um, and each their names and their organizations they work under. Cool. Um, so that way also that tells, you know, folks that are coming to this community, if this uh, speaks value to them, they can maybe, I mean, in and of itself, it works as a recruitment tool tool for folks yeah, to for go sure. into these organizations. Absolutely. Yep. Website again, billingsdei.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. And I, I guess I would just end with I, I would implore people to really understand that this is not you – know, the chamber is so fully committed to trying to provide ways for employers to do better and be healthier and be able to recruit better and retain their employees better, and that's, that is the bottom line of what this is all about. There's, mm-hmm. there's no hidden agenda. There's no – woke agenda. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I had to say it. That's not what this right. is about at all. I, yeah. I, it baffles me that that is what that has, it has become for some people and it just couldn't be more false. It's, yeah. it, it really is altruistic in, we want to help businesses find a way to be healthier and be successful. Yeah. We mm-hmm. need workers. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I can use examples all day long of friends who used to live here who are either of um, Mexican heritage or Cuban heritage or uh, black heritage or you name it. 
But then when my Ukrainian friends start leaving and they're not to be, you know, stereotypical in the description, but they're blonde, white, blue eyed who look like they would fit just fine here. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's indicative of something. Yeah. Um, And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, again, to like what Julie was saying earlier, I don't see the bad version of this. (laughs) No. Yeah. Um, Stuff too. Yeah. And, um, don't bottle it up too. Come talk to us. You know, we have also, we offer quarterly, I believe, uh, round table discussions mm-hmm. about cool. DEI, uh, at the chamber. And, um, and so that's where we just invite employers to come in and talk about what are they experiencing in their workforce or what can they do, uh, how they can be involved and what can they learn about. And it's, it's an ongoing thing. It's going to be a learning process for everybody. And, yeah. yeah. And it's absolutely not to say that Billings is bad. I mean, yeah. I, Right. I love this community. I I would I don't want to live anywhere else. I love it here. Right. It, it's not to say that we're bad. It's just to say, you know, like you guys were talking on your last podcast about capital improvement projects. <laughs> we're always looking at ways to to make Billings better. Yep. That, right. You know, make new sidewalks is great <laughs> for Billings. <laughs> it, you know, it, yep. uh, it, this is just part of that. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Do a little better. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Love it. Julie Seedhouse, Lamette Casey, thanks for coming to the dump, venturing to the <laughs> bright side of the tracks. Thanks for having <laughs> Thank us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yep. <laughs>